morning again, and welcome to St. Paul's. Where you are standing, let's pray. Holy God, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, pull us into your sacred mystery today and fill our hearts with love for you and for all people. Amen. Please be seated. Welcome to Trinity Sunday. It's a day that is set aside in the church calendar to celebrate one of the most challenging and mysterious of all Christian doctrines, the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons. It's the day in which priests all over the world try to explain the unexplainable. Or, more often, they pass the job off to their unfortunate assistant curate because they don't want to deal with it. But we gave Ben a break today because he's so new. Instead of explanations, I want to offer an invitation this morning. Because the point of Trinity Sunday is not about getting mired in heavy theological questions, nor is it even about explanations. It's an invitation. It's an invitation to know God and love God just a little bit better, and in doing so, to be able to love our neighbors and ourselves just a little bit better as well. There is no one text in the Bible that lays out the doctrine of the Trinity. You can't search a table of contents in the Bible and even find the word Trinity. That came many decades later. What you find instead is a story, a story that reveals who God is. It's a story of a God who made himself known to a man named Abraham and called him to be the father of a nation, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It's the story of a child born to a virgin named Mary, who grew up to be the savior of all humankind. And it's the story of a spirit who came like a wind and fire and filled believers with the power and the love of God. It's the story of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, a community of love. And it's an invitation to be a part of that community. And today we are given this passage from the very end of Matthew's Gospel as our invitation card. If you want to follow along, it's in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. And you can find it on your Bibles or in your pew Bible in front of you, on your phone or in your pew Bibles. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This passage is probably one of the most famous in the Bible, at least in Christian circles. 
It's the last one of, it is the very last of Matthew's gospel, the last four verses. And Matthew is eager to impress upon his readers and his listeners some key takeaways from this whole biography of Jesus that he's written. There are some themes that he really wanted to impress upon people at the end. And that is that Jesus is the son of God, the one with all authority. That Jesus is God present with us in all that authority. Emmanuel, God with us. And that because of this, we have the strength to bring this good news to all nations and all peoples through concrete acts of love. So number one, Jesus is the son of God. Matthew cleverly weaves in several clues in this very passage that Jesus is God's son. First, they meet Jesus on a mountain. Maybe you can think of other times in scripture where people meet with God on a mountain. Mount Sinai, it's the most famous in the Old Testament where the law is given to Moses and he meets with God on the top of the mountain. Then there's the Sermon on the Mount earlier in Matthew where Jesus gives the new law from a mountain. And then there's the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus is revealed to his disciples in all his glory. And so here, Jesus is calling his disciples once more to meet with God on a mountain in Galilee. The second clue that Matthew offers is that they worship him. The disciples are good Jews. And they know very well that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And they are to worship only God. All Jews know this. To worship Jesus means that they are acknowledging him as God, alongside God the Father. And now a sidebar, because Matthew also writes, so they worship him, but some doubt. What is that about? I love this little sidebar because the Bible is so honest. It's so real about where people are, their failings and their successes, and it makes room for doubt even among the disciples, even among those who have seen him rise from the dead and are standing right in front of him, and some of them are doubting. What it says to me is that wherever you are, on your spiritual journey, Jesus is willing to meet you there and to lead you farther in. Doubters are welcome on the mountain with God. And then the third clue that Matthew offers is that Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Jesus is referencing a passage from the prophet Daniel of Daniel and the lion's den fame. And it goes like this. I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient one and was pre presented before him. To him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away, and his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. Jesus is telling his disciples right there on the mountain that he is this prophesied one. That he is the king over the whole universe, the Lord of lords over all people. 
and that they are right to worship him. So why does Matthew spend these last few verses emphasizing that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, the early church that he was writing to was a mostly Jewish crowd, and they were risking, in some cases, their lives by saying that Jesus was God alongside God the Father. There was persecution happening first among the Jews, but also among the Romans, and so they needed some encouragement. And so Matthew lets them know that the one that they are worshiping is actually God. They are not wrong. They are right to worship him. But he is also the king over all nations. So, and for a community beginning to wrestle with persecution, it's an encouragement that anything they face in terms of persecution or struggle is done with the power of Jesus. And that same encouragement encouragement is there for us today, that nothing is strong enough, nothing is evil enough, nothing is powerful enough to win out against Jesus. Romans, in, the, in Paul's letter to the Romans, he writes, in all these things we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing has the power to separate us from God's love. No matter what situation we find ourselves in today, we have the love of God of gods, Lord of lords, King of kings. God's got our back. But there's more encouragement yet to take from this passage, and it's found in Matthew's second takeaway, that Jesus, in all of his power, in all of his authority, is God with us. Remember, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here at Matthew's gospel, at the very end, just before Jesus ascends to heaven, and is taken out of his disciples' sight, he tells his disciples that no matter what it looks like, the promise is true, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew's come full circle from the beginning of his gospel. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. The little baby promised as Emmanuel, God with us, has, a, has been shown throughout Matthew's gospel to be God with us. Last week, we celebrated Pentecost, the fulfillment of the promise of Jesus that he will be with us to the end of the age. Pentecost is when we remember that God's Holy Spirit is sent to us to make literally true that God is with us always. He's sent to dwell with us, to remind us of all things, to teach us how to live, and to shape us like Christ. The same God that stood on that mountain and told his disciples, look, I am with you always, he didn't lie. And the end of the age includes us, he is with us today in this very room and with you 
When you are in the midst of grief or doubt or anxiety or fear, when you have lost your way and when you can't feel his presence at all, when, you, when all around you is dark and all is clear, he is with you. So Matthew shows us that Jesus is the Son of God to be worshipped as God in all his authority. And he shows us that Jesus is with us always through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And it is in the strength of these two truths, God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for us, and God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with us, that we are sent out in the words of the Great Commission. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. These are intimidating words for pretty much everyone. I think that sometimes, just like in trying to explain the Trinity, we complicate this too. So let's simplify it quickly as I close and maybe make it a little more accessible. Go, therefore. The verb literally means as you are going. It's a progressive verb. In other words, wherever you are going, whatever you are doing, wherever you are living your life and working, that is where you are called to do this. Yes, some people are literally called to go across the world to share the good news of Jesus. And we heard about that last night. Maybe some of you were there in the Mike Jansen concert in support of Wycliffe Bible Translators. We heard about people working in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, sharing the good news of Jesus. And that is a worthy calling. And some people, like myself, are called to make this a full-time occupation where we get to teach and baptize and proclaim. But most people are called just to remember the basic, most basic of Jesus' teaching as they go about their daily lives, as they go, therefore, as they are going. And what was that teaching? It can be summed up in four words. Love God. Love neighbor. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This sums up all of Jesus' teaching. Love God and love neighbor. This is what we are called to go therefore and do and say in our daily life. Who is this God that we love? How do we love our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? We're given that answer in Luke's gospel. He shows us that our neighbor is those beside you, those in need, the least and the lost. It's everyone around you. That's who we're called to love. Today is Trinity Sunday, but we've also designated it as Refugee Sunday because we wanted to give a practical opportunity to love our neighbors as ourselves, to live out this great commission that Jesus gives us. After the service, there will be a presentation on refugee needs around the world in Cody Hall. And it's given by Matt Scott, one of our parishioners, who also works for World Vision, and he knows the nitty gritty of refugee needs around the world. It is a great presentation. 
I was there after the 9.30 service where we had it. I've seen it before as well, and it is worth coming to, I promise you. And at that presentation, Matt will be explaining some of the situation around the world, and then I will be telling you about how St. Paul's can live into this great commission to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're going to be sponsoring another refugee family, and we need your help. So please, show up for the presentation. There is co coffee and cookies and everything. You can find it right in Cody Hall, so just go on in. And we look forward to seeing you there after the service. But most importantly, I want you to remember that we are not meant to do this on our own. It is only through the power of God working in us that we have strength and wisdom to love God and love our neighbor. So let's remember Jesus' words. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Therefore, go. Amen.